And hey everyone, welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. Now, last episode, folks, was uh, was a bit of a doozy. A lot of changes to this comic are occurring as we speak. And folks, I'm not going to lie to you, I am scared. I am crying right now in this seat. Because the next set of comics we got, I'm not going to say it makes it worse. Because it's very good. These comics, very good. I mwah, love them. But, no, 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 no. I'm not sugarcoating this shit. You think got you think things got bad before. Oh no, 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 no. Things are going from bad to worse to even worse than worse. Things are about to get real bad. We are on a roller coaster ride, folks, and I I'm fear. The fear. Fear. So I think without further ado. Let us begin with our first comic tonight, Sonic the Hedgehog 233. Flynn's the writer, and Stephen Butler is the artist. And as I said in the last episode, we are now covering The Trial of Jeffrey St. John. Wow, I can't believe it. This fucker is finally getting tried in court. I mean, after literally committing regicide, like, please, please, can he be just, can we, can we just cut his head off? Right here, man. Hey, yo. It's so easy. It's so easy. Just kill him. Just kill him. You have all the evidence. It's right there. Without further ado, we open on Sonic and Tails. They're expecting the crash site of the Battlebird Armada ship. They're just, you know, assessing their losses and collecting survivors. It's all good. So I don't think we'll have to worry about them for a while. But they're caught on patrol. And the two of them quickly take them out. No sweat, and thus they begin to head off back home. The big trial for the big stinking traitor, racially motivated. <clears throat> little bit, little bit. The Civic Center in New Mobotropolis. The judges Hip and Hop are the ones passing judgment in the case. King Nagus presiding, Commander Antoine de Calais acting as prosecutor, and the defendant elected to represent himself. That can only go so well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious with uh, Nagus's next line, which is, of course, let's get this over with, that this is a rigged trial. We know for a fact that Jeffrey St. John is getting off scot-free in some capacity, considering, you know, Nagus's apprentice and everything, right? Right. But it is important that everyone understand what the fuck happened to this character and his entire lore. Because as much as we hate this dude... I think that this trial does a good job of sort of explaining why he's a huge piece of shit. Sort of! Understand something, though. As I've mentioned before, him saying, Oh, I am the apprentice to, to Nagus, I've learned Ixis magic, this was a... My relationship with the acorns was a farce this whole time. It did come out of nowhere, like, let's be honest. So, yeah. now we have the opportunity to sort of flesh it out. Let's see exactly... What happened here? So, Antoine begins. Commander Jeffrey St. John of the Royal Secret Service, you are charged with treason. How do you plead? Not guilty. But you served in the Rebel Underground and the Secret Service. 
and you recently assisted in getting Ixis Nagus in taking the throne. Yes, an apprentice must serve his master. Then the case is shut and opened. You are guilty. Nagus has been the rightful king for years. I served him long before I worked with King Max. So, with that comment, Antoine says, Well, you haven't told us of how you exactly you came into service of the king or of anyone in the past years. So how about you testify that to the court now? So, St. John explains that during the Great War, his father was killed by overlanders on a mission for King Acorn. He was going through his belongings and found an Ixus artifact. From there, Geoffrey St. John made contact with Ixus Nagus. Nagus attempted to tell him and goad him about the fact that he would be his salvation. Essentially, that he is the true king. Nagus, in this situation, learns from Geoffrey... That an overlander is the warlord now, the very race who started this war, and no doubt killed your father. Jeffrey's response being, yes, I hate them, all of them. Folks, this is the consequences of a race war. Just laying it on as thick as I can. A, a big, big race war moment. And, and Nagus tells him, listen, it's good you found my artifact. This overlander can't be trusted, and we need someone to prepare for my return. But shouldn't we warn the king first? The king is an overlander-loving fool. His trust in them led to this war. You, however, are young and full of potential. You understand that the overlanders are dangerous. Trust me, and we will save this kingdom. So we continue. Geoffrey began to study war tactics from his father and other generals' journals. And just like Nagus warned, Robotnik took over the kingdom, and King Max's whereabouts are unknown. By day... Jeffrey trained in hand-to-hand combat from his father's manuals, and by night, he learned Ixus wind magic, when the zone of silence didn't interfere with the messages. And then one night, Nagus told Jeffrey he found the king of the zone of silence, and recognized his mistakes, and has sworn fealty to me. The crown is rightfully mine. So now, Jeffrey's job, prep for Nagus's return. He then puts together the rebel underground out of veterans of the Great War, whipped him into shape, and eventually linked up with the Knothole Freedom Fighters. And then, you know the rest. So Antoine asked the question, well, if you were truly with the Ixus all along, why did you help rescue the king from the Zone of Silence? Why also did you not side with Nagus when the probe was released to him? And then Jeffrey explains, well, for one thing, King Max was pretty addled. After coming out of the zone. And as far as Nagus goes, he's as subtle as a brick. Coming on so strong would make things worse, so I kept the charade to try to keep things together. And I was right to do so. Max confirmed the situation to be true. Sally refused to accept it. And after Sonic and Tails threw Nagus back into the zone of silence, I had to set about building a stronger kingdom for Nagus to come back to. And with that answer, Antoine pivots to his hand-picked roster for his secret service. Two former badniks. An unknown agent from Angel Island, a foreign freedom fighter, and the woman who almost killed Princess Sally. Yeah, so a reminder uh, from all the way a long time ago. Hershey was tricked by, uh, was it, was it Drago. Drago? Oh, yes. Hershey was tricked by Drago into essentially uh, defeating Sally. 
uh, or defeating somebody that looked like robot. I don't know. It, the, <laughs> the, the explanation was so fucking dumb. It was like a, a one-way suit where like the eyes saw somebody else or something like that. I don't love that Silver Age comic stuff. I you know I wonder who could have inspired enough to write something so genius and clever. Right? Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I I also wonder who wrote this character originally. You know, I really do. I wonder who wrote um. Who wrote Jeffrey St. John? Biggest cuck in all of Mobius. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the gist of this being is that Antoine says because of all their unknown statuses, it could have been extremely easy to pin a crime on any of them. And Jeffrey doesn't argue against that, though it would have been hard to pin something on Valdez, the Shinobi clan spy. Oh, interesting. So he knew all along. Hmm? And something that Antoine also agrees with he says, oh, huh? That's pretty convenient that he was the only one who went down, roboticized. He was a good man and fell while protecting the people. Don't belittle his sacrifice by blaming me. Antoine stops there, continues. Jeffrey, you appointed yourself as King Elias' royal advisor, leading Elias to strip Sonic of his knighthood and push them away from the royal family. <laughs> yeah so a as a reminder does anyone remember when uh jeffrey st john literally just ruined everything like literally ruined everything sonic was uh, a big boy in the acorn family he and sally were basically engaged and then jeffrey was like no no he because because you know jeffrey st john bitch Jeffrey continues, and after that, the Kingdom of Knothole grew into something respectable. Okay, buddy. Everything I did benefited the kingdom itself and set it up for the true king. With all due respect, the authority of the prince and princess was never legitimate. But their image kept the kingdom under control. Oh, okay, Jeffrey. So you can say all this all you want, but how the fuck are you going to say this when it was you who directly ruined everything? You are literally fucking with the characters. Like, what? what? He, he He's acting like the, the pawn master that he kind of thinks he is. Let's be honest. Ooh, boy. Oh, God. Oh, boy. So. And the next, the next line is the dagger. The real dagger. Antoine flips to his next page. And your marriage to Hershey Cat was all part of the ruse then. She was another pawn in your little game. We get four panels. The first panel is a look of shock. The second, a look of anger. The third, pure, utter rage. And the fourth one, Jeffrey standing up from his chair, screaming at Antoine telling him not to belittle her oh boy <laughs> yeah, and he all and he lunges at him the guards are holding him back and the judges do the 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 order in the court kind of stuff the defendant will control himself during the proceeding jeffrey sits back down and says look as far as hershey goes it was a sincere relationship taught her everything he knew about field ops and she taught him about life how to live by this time, Nagus went quiet and his team was destroyed. He had failed, but with her, everything went right. Even when they got married at gunpoint, it was as if he had new direction in life. So then the simple question, what happened to her? Jeffrey had to split up with her when there was just two of them left in the Secret Service. He was in the United Federation while she was in Sumerka. 
When Hershey stopped checking in, he investigated and couldn't get a trace of her. She died. She, we are, we assume, yes, that she died. And without her in his life, he went back to the only other source of direction he had. But besides that, I'm not guilty of treason. King Nogus is the rightful ruler of the kingdom, and I have served him for years. But then Antoine closes. Nogus's rule was not recognized until a few days ago. Plus, the accused has admitted to stealing documents from before the coup, actively undermining the reign of two acorn kings without making his allegiances clear. You are guilty. And the judges agree. We, the judges, are in agreement the defendant was pretending to serve the act of authority while working against it. The ends do not justify the means. We find Commander St. John guilty of treason. And while the celebration is brief, Nagus, of course, stands up. Court is still in session, and according to the Provisional Constitution, Section L, Paragraph 75, the King is granted one annual pardon that does not require the ratification of the Council. Therefore, as King, I formally pardon the defendant. I believe justice has been served, and the matter settled. Bruh. Bruh. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second because there is some some things to dissect here. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a point. Jeffrey is actually not technically wrong because Max did swear fealty to Nagus in the zone of silence. That is true. However, I think I brought this up the last time we talked about this. In my understanding of the law, which is tiny and brief, but just stick with me here. If a contract is signed under duress, which Let's let's remember here. King Max was thrown into the zone of silence against his will. A zone that will drive you insane with enough granted exposure. Nagus finds him and says, If you swear fealty to me, I'll protect you. And now that protection was multiple asterisks with it. But yeah, he did technically protect him by brainwashing him. In exchange, you swear fealty to me, I take over your kingdom. The contract was signed in a state of duress. Because if otherwise, the other option there is that he goes insane. And he will basically not be himself. A fate may as well be death. If there was just some, like, lawyer guy in the room was just like, Hey, this contract was signed under a state of duress. This whole thing is null and void. We kind of closed the book on this arc. That's kind of the, the issue we're at here. With that disregarded, yes, he is technically right. However, there's a whole other aspect that we've chosen to ignore... Kind of because it ruins the story, but that's beside the point. Yeah, it's it's a it, it's a true statement in name only, but when you start to dig into it, uh, you realize that Saint John was just fucking played because he's an incompetent moron who 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 mauls at the fact that uh, Sonic always had a one up on him. So um, yeah, I do I do legitimately feel bad about him for Hershey though. That that is the only thing I will say. That yes. that is the one thing that seems sincere about this whole thing because you can tell in those back scenes with Hershey, Jeffrey like sincerely loved her and sincerely wanted a life with her. And then folks, let's be honest. If a person in your life was lost to you in some way shape or form, you're not going to be in the best headspace. So, of course, he goes back to the only other thing he knows in his life and ends up being played like a fiddle. Because what else does he have? His wife is dead as far as he thinks. 
His brain kind of snapped, and he said, uh, I'm going to go suck Ix's cock for the rest of my life. What else do I got? With all that information digested, let's uh continue. So with the news of this pardon, Antoine is obviously angered. He thought he did a real good job. He really got him there. And Sonic and Tails in the moment agree that, look, for now, we can't really do anything in regards to Nagus and Jeffrey. Let's just go see how Nicole is doing. Then we can talk about what we can do with rescuing Sally. Speaking of that, we transition to the Death Egg. As Eggman talks about finishing his modifications on uh, Mecha Sally and using power rings, uh, which Snively notes uh, they are dangerously low on fucking fuel for the, for the Death Egg. But Eggman doesn't care. Uh, you know, with my modifications, it won't cause any pesky side effects like restoring her free will. <sighs> Ooh. <sighs> okay, so while that is the end of that story, we do have a story B here. It's written by Ian Flynn and the art. We have someone new coming on board, a name that I think IDW Sonic readers will be very familiar with. Evan Stanley. This is her first time working on the Sonic comics, and uh, the way I have her described in my notes is that what Ian Flynn is to millennial Sonic fans, uh, she is to Zoomer Sonic fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Don't laugh. The 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 Zoomer the the Zoomer Sonic representation. Jesus Christ! Look, look at her Twitter account. Look at her Tumblr account. I am right. All right, hold and on. And look, listen, We're... Evan, if you are listening to this, nothing but love, all right? Her art style is very, like, cel-shaded, looks a little like Wind Waker, kind of 3D in scope. And that's actually because her art style is that she first takes, like, a, I think it's 3DS Pro or some modeling program like that, sets the stage up in that modeling program, and then just uses that as reference for the art. So that's why there's, like, this 3D effect to it. Oh yeah, I've seen plenty of uh, Evan Stanley's art. Yeah, she's 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 wonderful. Uh, I really like this. This is really good. And so let's begin. We see Elias. He's trying to convince his parents to come with him to leave the kingdom, but his mom Alicia says she will not leave. I will not leave the kingdom nor her husband's side. Our place is here. Meanwhile, Max is having a mental dementia breakdown. A crown. Crown belongs to the Acorns. Kingdom of Acorn won't leave my kingdom. Jeffrey, supposed to help me. Why? Why did he? I'm sorry, I know I went Hank Hill there for a second, but he really does sound like the ultimate out-of-touch boomer who can't understand that he's just had his entire rug pulled out from under him. Yeah, but at this point now, it's just sad. Like, he's a, literally a shell of his former self. I mean, at this point, though, that it it, it it it's it's just pathetic. He's just pathetic. As his parents leave, his wife Meg comes in, saying, "Look, I understand that you're just doing your best in a no-win situation, and honestly, I understand where they are. After losing Sally, it's just look. I already saw my first husband die. I don't want to lose you too." Elias understands that even if they leave to the Feral Forest with Nogus as king, we will never truly be safe. So I have to do... something. The scene changes. Elias is seen knocking at someone's house, calling for a director who. He answers the door, this director who does, saying, I'm not the director of anything since Max put the skunk in charge of the Secret Service. But Elias says, well look, 
I know my father went to you during his rule. You were there to watch his back, so... And then he pokes at him with his cane. I told him I didn't trust Kodos, but he made him warlord. I told him to boot out Nagus, but he removed Nate Morgan instead. I told him not to trust Robotnik, and he ends up taking the kingdom over. I had to watch his back, because he never listened to me. Damn, I can't believe it. Max is a shitty king. Who would have fucking known, right? It's almost like, oh wait, that's right. Every single failure and uh, problem in this entire fucking world is directly a result of Max. And then who continues on with saying, the final dagger to Elias, the Prowers were right. The acorns fumbled their reign. Go on and run away. Let Nagus have his throne. Good night. Damn, this man just said, y'all fumbled the bag. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like true though. No, but like actually true though. Bitch made. Uh, listen, the acorn lineage is bitch made. And in spite of my comment just there, Elias bars the door. You and I both know Nagus' ambitions won't enter the crown. I have to find a way to fight him without fighting the will of the people. You're the only man who knows how to strike from the shadows like that. Please, help me. And then, pretty hard line coming from Elias in a while. Who says, you're asking me to commit heinous, treasonous acts against my king. And Elias says, I'm your king. Nagus is just keeping my crown warm. Ooh, ice in his fucking veins! <laughs> and then who says, that is exactly what I wanted to hear. He brings him in, saying, if you want to do what you want to do, you're going to need a team. You'll need freedom fighters. Secret freedom fighters. That's the end of 233. Now, for those a little lost, because it has been a while, Director Who, Harvey Who, his full name, is a character... That we've only ever seen once, and I swear to God, it may be sub-issue 10. Ian Flynn, classic deep cuts. Yeah, Ian, Ian with the extreme deep cut, like the deepest of deep, deep cuts. This character has not been used in God knows how long. So, yeah, um, Secret Freedom Fighters? Alright, I'm, I'm for it. Alright, let's, let's see how this ball rolls. With Sonic 234, Flynn and Butler, the creative team. We begin with Elias, Meg, and their baby. They are boarding a cruiser to leave the city, saying that their presence will just destabilize everything. So, it's kind of for the best. And when the cruiser begins to leave, Antoine's journal serves as the narration for the story. He details the plan. He doesn't anticipate Nagus trying anything inside the city. Too many witnesses considering the large crowd. So, Tails and Amy will be on the air, in the tornado, for aerial support. Sonic running beside the cruiser, and himself and Bunny riding alongside on Extreme Gear. This is a very interesting sight. Uh, extreme Gear being used casually is um, weird to see, but alright, sure. Yeah, it's a welcome sight. I like it. Yeah, I, I, have, I have nothing against it. I just think it's a little weird. That's it. <laughs> Tails and Amy encounter the Death Egg, and it begins to drop capsules on the ground, releasing egg ponds with an upgraded design shields and laser guns so sonic runs to fight them telling tails to clear a path for the cruiser sonic can handle himself so he'll lead ground support tails will lead air support and amy will take sonic's place on wing guard antoine and bunny are on ground backup bunny though isn't used to being normal as we see her she's aiming her formerly roboticized arm no cannon 
We then see the command deck on the Death Egg. Sniffy complains that the Egg Ponds are being sweep, just as he predicted. But Eggman tells him, hey, hi, hi, now is the time to launch the players for phase two. So Eggman, of course, drops Mecha Sally and Metal Sonic. To say that the reactions from everyone is nothing but absolute disgust at what has happened to their friend is an understatement. As Sally comes charging directly at Amy, she can't find the will to fight. Sally, on the other hand, robbed of all free will, busts out her new arm blades and carves the tornado in half. Sonic tries to go and help them. Tails is, you know, thinking quick and is flying and carrying Amy up there. And Sonic is tackled by Metal Sonic. Bunny comes in to tackle Metal, but while she's thrown off, he again tries to fire her non-existent arm cannon, leading her to be bonked on the head by Mecha Sally. She says, you have lost your cybernetics. You are no threat. And then in the Death Egg, Lane Thaw says she can't believe it. The central target has a clear shot to fire. Meeting Eggman orders the lasers fire at will. And when they do so, Snively comments, they have a targeting scrambler on them. They'll only hit the target by sheer luck. So Eggman just orders, okay, fine, whatever. Have the Metal Sonic target the cruiser and have it self-destruct. Snively, though, does not believe that. You just rebuilt the Metal Sonic, plus Sonic is still out there. I can rebuild it. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. Send the order. <laughs> ah, I I see. That's the game plan here. Uh, Metal Sonic receives the order and changes targets. Sonic tries to run after, but Mecha Sally rushes to intercept Sonic. And again, he's pleading with her. That's your brother and his family in there. Don't let the doc control you. You're trying to rationalize with this unit. Where were you when they handed the brains out? So this is this line is a reference to one episode in Sad AM, believe it or not. How do I explain this? So there was like an episode where I guess they were all having like shared nightmares. And I guess Sonic was having this sort of like bizarro chili dog infused state where Sally was just acting like a zombie. And that's what she said to him. Thank you, Ian, for the deep cuts. Damn. That's all I can Why, say. He, he, he really does go on, on the, the deepest cuts imaginable. Holy fuck. Sonic tangles with Mecha Sally, and he calls the team. Metal Sonic is targeting the cruiser. Someone go intercept. And of all people to respond, it's Antoine. He rides behind on his extreme gear. Antoine in the buggy as Metal Sonic is crawling forward. Antoine, what are you doing? As he jumps off the extreme gear, grabs onto Metal Sonic, and says, what I have always been doing. Hops back on, grabs Metal Sonic, serving my king and country. Great, Metal Sonic got tangled on a freedom fighter, says Linda. Really? Send the command. Detonate. Snively tries to interject, but it's immediately superseded. Metal Sonic's eyes glow. And, uh, yeah, that thing explodes. Dead on Antoine. As his mangled corpse slams across the battlefield. His body just rolls on the ground and his sword falls nearby. And everyone, everyone is horrified to see that happen. Obviously, Bunny the most effective. And all Eggman can say is that, finally, I got one of them, and just laughs. He's satisfied. Pack it up, boys, we're done. And Snively, Snively is angered with that order. 
We're here to blow up the figure out of the state, and you're satisfied with killing only one freedom fighter? Eh, an ex-king is nothing compared to losing two of their own. Besides, after dealing with everything in the past ten plus years, I'm not pushing my luck. Snively, you're dismissed from the deck. You're ruining my festive mood. Snively's pushed out, and he mutters to himself that this is the most idiotic thing he's done yet. That's it. No more waiting or scheming. It's time I finally took you down. We'll get back to this. Yeah. So we return to the battlefield as uh, Eggman's crew just leaves. Sonic is in disbelief. Tails and Amy are just crying as Bunny holds Antoine's broken and beaten body. Uh, Yeah, and she is scream crying. No, I'm not letting him go. I'm not letting him go. Sonic, though, tells Bunny, hey, Antoine's still breathing. We still have time. I can get him to Dr. Quacks. So she quickly gives him to Sonic. Go, please. Just go. She collapses into amy's arms so sonic is running at max speed don't worry buddy i'm the fastest thing alive i'll get you help and everything will be fine you'll see as we see antoine's hand going limp with the final note from his journal reading no matter what challenge we meet tomorrow or on any other day it will always be an honor to serve alongside my friends for the greater good Jesus Christ! Dog, I got chills from that. I'm sorry. <laughs> bro, bro, I mean, listen, man. When when I said things were about to get worse, I meant it. Bye, Antoine! Alright, so folks, let's let's tally it up, shall we? Let's tally it up. Sally, roboticized. Wow, that's the worst case scenario. Bunny, crystallized, then de-roboticized. Something that we've already explained should not be possible. Yet it happened. Even though she kind of accepts the fact that she came back to normal, so to speak, she still isn't able to perform as a freedom fighter, as we've seen. And now, Antoine is mangled. It's not looking good. It's, it's not, not looking, looking good. good. It's for not Antoine. looking good. It's, th- this is, we, there are many timelines. There are many universes in this world. We are literally in the worst one. This is the worst timeline. This is this is where it all goes wrong. Was Silver right? Is there a traitor in the Freedom Fighters? Is there a traitor in the Freedom Fighters? Who is it? Because I can't tell at this point. Who's the traitor? Is it Jeffrey St. John? Was it Jeffrey St. John? Nobody knows. I if mean, that, that's happening. an extrapolation. Every- but hey, you know, that's a good argument. We are We are entering what can only be described as the worst fucking timeline. And now, now... With that being said... <laughs> we have a little a little note here. Seems that Eggman, in this situation, seems like he knew something about the uh, this little convoy and why he chose now of all times to do this little interception game. So, folks, let me ask you, how, how could he have known? Couldn't have just been, you know, coincidence, happenstance, blah, 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 blah. We'll figure out right now. In this story B, Flynn writing and Ben Bates doing the art. So, of course, this story takes place before our story A. Nagus, he's seen in an office. He's seen using his Chaos Emerald for something. The voices in his head is, are thinking that he's trying to conjure them away, but he's able to do what he wants, and he makes a ley line connection to contact Dr. Eggman. This is a courtesy call, Doctor. I have information that will lead to your next best shot at destroying the Quickster and the Freedom Fighters. Eggman says, I see. I take it this information doesn't come cheap. 
quid pro quo, doctor. My apprentice tells me you're not quite the man I remember. Tell me what you recall of our first meeting. So Eggman decides to entertain Nagus during his younger years. Just after he conquered Mobotropolis, he investigated the Zone of Silence. Coming across Feist, he brought him to Nagus after finding him with Kodos, Arachne, and King Max by his side. Long story short, Nagus had him trapped there for some time. Had a little adventure or two. Till Eggman was able to contact Snively and arrange him to get him out of the zone. Leading him to come out screaming, Snively! Continue to monitor the zone of science for expansion, but don't you ever let me back in there. And I want to comment, this is obviously supposed to be like Sad AM Robotnik. And like, I think Ian like nailed how he was written back then. Yeah, this is, what the you mean, you mean AOSTH Sonic. AOSTH Sat AM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's supposed to be Sat AM Sonic, but this is the this is one of the few moments where Robotnik breaks the character and literally goes into another version of himself. It's really good. Eggman finishes after that. You know, the first Robotnik war ended. You escaped and blah blah blah. Let you know the rest. And right now, Nagus finishes. The Zone of Silence has been transformed by Feist into the special zone. As Eggman wonders, you know, I wonder what he did with those grapes of mine. So with that information, Nagus tells his side of the bargain. The Freedom Fighters are protecting the former King Elias' convoy, and they're moving later today. Two targets for the price of one, Doc. And Eggman offers to finish it by gloating in your name, but he says not to. We have an image to maintain among the people, after all. Eggman agrees to that as a professional courtesy. The connection is broken. Right in time, as Jeffrey comes in to inform the Freedom Fighters we're making the preparations. What are you doing in here? My kingly nudies. Come, my apprentice. Let us wish Elias and the others a fond farewell. Oh. Yep. Yeah, so, um, Nagus, uh, set them up. Which is what makes it even worse. Go figure. That's all I have to say about it, is go figure. I think it's supposed to be pretty explicit that Nagus is not acting in the best interest of anyone but himself. So, here's your proof. That's all I have to say. Here's your proof. On that note, we talked a little bit about Silver. A little bit. Seeing it was Silver right. Let's find out. Was Silver right? Yeah, was Silver right in issue 235? Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. Aptly titled, Remember the Fallen. Holy, okay. So, we cut to the future on Onyx Island. Silver using his telekinesis to find a hidden back room with Edmund. Edmund is surprised too. He says that his mom didn't have the time to show him everything about the island. So, the books in this back room seem to be related to the Freedom Fighters. But Edmund tells Silver, don't get your hopes up. All in here is some dusty old books. But Silver might have found what he was looking for. Antoine's journal. This might solve everything. And after he reads it for a second, I know who the traitor is in the present. We see Bunny beside Antoine's bed. He's all bandaged up in the hospital. She's saying that the power ring is helping, but it really doesn't do as much good for anyone besides Sonic. Told them not to use that emerald doohickey they used on King Max way back then. It worked, but he got real worse real quick after that. And I cannot stand the thought of losing you anymore that I have. And then Bunny breaks down. Antoine loved her no matter what. She never treated her differently when she was part robot or when Nagus turned her back to normal. But when she needed him most, she couldn't do anything. She wants to make things right. Leaves a note in one of the flowers left for Antoine. And she gets up and leaves with a pretty determined look on her face. 
Kind of that, uh, I'm marching to my fucking death kind of look. So we, um, not, not to take away from the gravity of that scene because Jesus fucking Christ, we come back to the future as Silver excitedly returns to Mammoth Mogul saying that he's figured it out. He sure he knows what we can do to save the timeline. Can you go over what you remember one last time? Mogul explains. I've told you before my memory of that time is hazy. I recall the doctor was continuing his mad conquest. Nagus was leading the resurgence of his order, of Ixus, as a king, and I I was content to wait out the generation in opulence. When I could have been helping the world, all of this came to pass because one of Sonic Freedom Fighters took action that destroyed the team. Once I'd recovered, it was far too late to help. This is very interesting. It shows the mammoth mogul he reformed at some point in time, but that time was too late. So the man has a lot of regrets. So now again, this begs the question, why is he training Silver? What does he gain out of this? Does he want Silver to go back in time and fix everything? Is that the goal here? Despite the fact he tells Silver, time travel's messy. You gotta be real careful. He tried to talk Silver out of it, but doesn't seem to try very hard to do it. So it feels like he's really trying to change the past because he fucked up and he knows he fucked up, but he's hiding something. What is he hiding? That's the real question that we, that, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out. So Silver in his classic Silver ways feels that C Commander DeColette is the traitor saying that he can read snippets. He writes about how jealous he was of Sonic and how he thought he was the only one fit for command. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so um, in the years that passed, the words kind of faded. The line that Silver finds is, too many witnesses. It is my hope with a strong show of force, faith in Nagus, find myself divided, our truth king. Those all little snippets that we just read an issue ago with the full context. And Silver comes in thinking, traitor, yes. And that is what leads Silver to believe that Antoine is the traitor. And Nagus does concur. You know, the information does line up with what I remember. This is the strongest lead yet, but many of the words have been lost to time. Just as Silver pulls out an old newspaper clipping of Sonic fighting a former friend. However, this picture has Sonic in the focal point. Whoever he is fighting is a silhouetted figure, leading Silver to think that this must be Antoine. Ah, uh, why is he like this? I love you, Silver, but why? Silver's ready to head into the fire, but Mogul stops him, warning him again about abusing time travel. All you've done, Silver, is cause fuzzier memories and leave ruins left untouched. Mogul says to Silver, if you are to chase this lead, you will not be taking the time stone with you. You will be stuck in the past until you can figure this out. And Silver agrees to those conditions. He hands over the time stone as Mogul writes instructions for Silver to follow to get back to his own time after you've dealt with the traitor. So Silver quickly puts a bag together. You know, I'll, uh, don't worry, I'll be back before you know it. Time travel joke. So Silver hops to the present saying that he's going to go find Decolet as uh, a very certain somebody decides to walk in towards the hangar. Somebody we haven't seen in actually a very, 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 very long time. Amadeus Prower. He is here checking to see on his son Tails. Is he still in the hangar? Oh, yeah, you are. 
Tails is still working on the tornado and calls out to him. You know, you haven't been holding in a couple days, Tails. We're worried about you. Uh, I'm sorry, really, but I, I gotta work on these repairs so we can go and find Eggman and rescue Sally. Then we can help Antoine, and then things will be fixed. And then a wrench slips from his fingers and falls on his foot. And then in the pain, he collapses into his dad's arms. And with tears in his eyes, he asks, When you lost someone during the Great War, how did you handle it? And his dad responds, holding tails, You take it one day at a time. Live your best life and pick up where you left off. Ouch. Just, I... That's the thing about, I guess, how this story is presented. Um, remember way back when in Sonic Universe, a couple arcs ago, where Bunny called Tails a child soldier? Yeah. A very human, very real moment in this instance from uh, two characters uh, that have experienced uh, quite a lot. Tails is never really given that time or that real or that perspective as a child soldier. So this is a moment where it really all just hits. So in his tears, Tails asks where his mom is. And his dad says she's dealing with government matters right now. And it breaks her heart because right now she would much rather be here for you. Then we move to the Royal Army HQ, a temporary holding for the Acorn Council. Nagus is making a case to expel Nicole from the city due to her recent failing from the Battlebird Armada attack. Penelope, though, asks, is it even possible to, for her to be exiled due to how the nanites function? But Nicole actually says, the, the nanites actually run on a very basic code. They're set to restore the city from a restore point in case of any damage, so they can function without me. The only hang-up is that Nicole would be needed if the city needs any new defenses. But Nagus insists, I can defend the city, and its people, and can build what they need. Sir Charles, how can we keep her out? And Chuck says, well, we really can't. It kinda would all be on her honor. I can keep checking the systems for signs of her, but otherwise she'd be confined to Freedom HQ. The only way to interact with her would be on a screen. So with that information, Nagus begins the vote. All in favor of expelling the program to Freedom HQ? Everyone says yes, but Rotor. And Rotor is, like, activated. He's real mad. Are you all crazy? Nicole is one of us. She's a freedom fighter. She built this city and saved us all. Chuck tries to calm him down. Hey, none of us want this. But the people are scared. And they've been scared before the change in Monarchs, the Death Egg, the Armada attack, and losing Sally and Anquan. We're, we're just trying to calm the people down. We can vote on this again. But Rotor again says, no, I'm not going to let this city lose another freedom fighter. My vote is still no, but seeing as that carries no weight, I resign from the council in protest. This council is for the citizens, and it just betrayed one of them as he rips off his sash and walks away. Faced? Based? That's what's oh up. My. That's what's yeah, up. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's based. It's sick. Great moment. Love this. As Chuck softly says, good for you, Rotor. Nagus makes the preparations as Nicole and Rotor share a moment. Nicole pleads with Rotor to go back in and take his position. I'll be fine the computer. But Rotor responds in the most kind-hearted way imaginable. I meant what I said back there. I wasn't there for Sally or Antoine. I failed to protect your rights. I don't care if the whole city's going crazy. You're still a freedom fighter and you're still my friend. And the two hug it out. Real hard. Mm. Meanwhile, Silver, watching in the shadows. I'm sorry I ever suspected you, Boomer. At least I can make it up to you by stopping Anton now. Where to find it? 
Now we move to Sonic's house. Amy's knocking on his bedroom door and he's not answering. He's just playing his guitar. Sonic's mom comes in to tell her, give give him some space. Let him work it out on his terms, okay? So she brings Amy into the living room to give her some tea with her and Jules. And they say, you know, Amy, you've been really busy since, you know, that happened. And she has been. She helped Amadeus link up with Tails. She helped deliver the well-wishes gifts with Bunny. She checked in with Rosie, who's really upset. And Sonic, well, she kind of figures that if I help everyone else deal with their grief, she'll be too busy to to deal with. She's had the tea and cup in her hand is like shaking violently. And then with that, she just... Just breaks. She snaps. Entirely. She cries into Jules' arms, and he holds her, saying, We're here for you now. And Sonic is still in his room, just playing the guitar. And he's he's thinking back on the good times. And the good times he had with Antoine, you know. Playing, well, eh, well, the good, good times. You know, they, they played pranks on each other, you know. Mostly Sonic playing pranks on Antoine, but, you know. The two did grow to become good friends. That's the point. And yeah. Sonic thinks to Mutsky. I was a jerk to Antoine. He deserved better than that. Man, I should at least be out there for Amy. But when he glances outside his window, he sees Silver. Opens the window. Dude, what are you doing here? Again, looking for the traitor. Sonic just looks at him very neutral. I I don't have time for this. But Silver says, no, 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 listen. I have definitive proof this time. Antoine's the traitor. And Sonic snaps! Spin dashing directly into Silver, grabbing his hand, actually, excuse me, grabbing his fur, his head fur, his quills, and running into the hospital, into Antoine's room, and directly presents him with what's happened. Silver asks, how? Sonic replies, he saved the life of the real king the other day. He had Metal Sonic self-destructed in his face. Dr. Quack says that if he comes out of his coma, he might understand how much of a hero he was. <sighs> and then... <laughs> then... And then... Silver is thinking, oh, but there must be some mistake. It all, it all linked up. Like, I don't... Then Sonic looks in one of the flowers and finds the note Bunny left. She's gone. She blames herself for what happened to Antoine. And then Silver comments, oh, well, maybe she's the traitor then. Leading Sonic to homing attack Silver again, but he catches him with his psychokinesis. Sonic has a very, very intense look of anger on his eyes. Dude, there is no traitor. I believe in my friends, and I believe you're a fluke. Each of them are a hundred times the hero you want to be. Go home. Silver says he can't go home. He's stuck here. Then get out of my sight. Damn! Cutting words from Mr. Hedgehog. Ugh. Holy fuck! You don't, you don't, you don't get that a lot from Sonic. The thing is, is that it's raw things that could happen in the real world, and we're. I think what hits so hard is the fact that we're kind of used to seeing Sonic as a more cartoonish anime kind of thing going on, where a lot of the problems that are presented are exaggerated, cartoonish situations so then when you get to the real stuff the horrors of war the consequences of fighting it hits harder yes and this is real drama this is this is like actually good drama because you're seeing how it affects the characters and it's not just being explained pushed on you and then you're just 
You just have to like go, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. But that was a long time ago. This is this is what we're talking about when we talk about good writing. Because there is clearly stakes. Speaking of stakes, St. John has entered the room. Sonic is also fucking pissed that he's here. You don't belong in here, man. Get the fuck out. But Jeffrey just says, look, I wish to pay my respects to the commander. You had me in the courtroom and you had me from the beginning. So get up so I can say that face to face. And Jeffrey also says to Sonic, sorry about losing the woman of your life. Changes how you see the world, does it not? Sonic says, Bunny's gone. Aunt. So is Sally. The whole city is turning against Nicole and I don't know what to do about it. I I can't even do anything to help you. Silver managed to predict one thing. The Freedom Fighters are done. And that's the final punch in the chest we we have officially hit rock bottom boys that that line is um a dagger through the heart because uh yes the freedom fighters are done with that being said the scene changes and now we're following silver he's sitting on a park bench and he's talking to himself wow this this world is just so beautiful and i failed to save it again and then harvey who walks by overhearing him and sits down are you having problems today son Yeah, today, tomorrow, and every day after that. Keep trying to stop the end of the world and I keep failing. And then he says, oh, you must be the time-traveling hedgehog I've heard rumors of. And then Silver just gets, that just adds to Silver's stress. Oh, awesome, I'm a walking time paradox now. Sick. But who offers a deal? I can help you accomplish your mission in such a way where history will not record your involvement. And I am the best there was in that regard. Kid... Welcome to the Secret Freedom Fighters. Wow. Well. All right. So we have officially started a new new path for Silver. As the Freedom Fighters have broken up officially in all but official context, we are truly at rock bottom. Where things go, we will have to see. But I think it's time we got a bit of a detour. Yeah, a little. We're, we're changing things up. Sonic Universe, issue 37. Flynn and Peppers are the creative team for this arc. And folks, scrambled. The Eggman arc. Well, not just the Eggman arc. It's also a Snively arc. Yes, this is one thing I really like about Sonic Universe. My favorite arcs so far have been when the focal character is on one person, but the real story is about someone else. I think we can begin. In the Death Egg. Eggman is alerted to a total system lockdown to his surprise. He can't access the network. So now he is led to deploy his emergency lackeys, pushes a button on the wall, coming in, Orbot and Cubot, their official debut in the Archie Sonic canon. Now, Orbot and Cubot are fun characters. Unfortunately, they are also tied to uh, very questionable writing at times. Yeah, it kind of is what it is, but we are in a world where we can have fun and enjoyment. And not cynicism. We can enjoy things now. It's okay to like Sonic. That's the message of this podcast, guys. It's okay. So, um, we, we, we're going to get a taste of them. They're good additions to the cast. Uh, I hope you guys like them. I like them a lot. So now we notice that Cubot's vocal processor is fried. Oh, wow. What a shocker. But doesn't matter. 
Eggman orders them hack into the network to give me my access back. As we then move to see Snively running through a hallway, he inputs a vocal override to an elevator. He lays out his plan. En route to Central City, he plans to win over Hope, and then going to the Dragon Kingdom to pick up that lovely piece of old world technology I found and break out Regina. He's been doing this dance for the past 10 years, and I know how Eggman thinks by now. Finally, I can beat him at his own game. And that line sets the stage for this arc, folks. Huh. So, with that being said, Eggman is able to eventually break into the system. And when he does so, he learns that not only Snively was the one behind the lockdown, but they're able to bring up a video broadcast that was archived. He told the Dark Egg Legion Grandmasters, Sonic has finally won. He defeated Eggman after boarding the Death Egg, and we're falling into the ocean. Under my authority as second-in-command, the Dark Egg Legion is disbanded. Fend for yourselves! Hmm, okay. Eggman, in his anger, orders the Egg Swats, find Snively and bring him to me. Then we see Snively at the hangar looking for an escape vehicle. And while he finds one, the Egg Swats in there begin to target Snively, leading to a scene where we see Eggman. He's looking at a feed of Snively captured. Oh, Snively, 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 you've really done it this time. What do you have to say for yourself? Then, with a smile on his face, I'm sorry, sir, it will never happen again. Leading to Snively exploding. So, uh, apparently they've got captures. Multiple captures now in a multiple places as Snively keeps exploding over and over and over again. Eggman realizes that he's resurrected the Infiltrator series. Perfect robot copies. He set them loose to throw me off his trail and is probably long gone by now. Well played, little man. Well played. Interesting. I like the I like the subterfuge. It's it's definitely very snivelly core, but in a in a in a different kind of way that we've seen before. It's a, he's refined his uh his his talents, let's put it like that. Definitely he's had this uh had this in his notebook for a minute. Absolutely. And so, Eggman is able to get his network all under control again. Tells Orbot and Cubot Call the Grandmasters, lock into their teleport signals, and bring them to the conference room now. They say that's not the best idea, the Death Egg is on reserve power. He says, doesn't matter, they belong to me, and when I say jump, they say how high on the way up. And now we span out. We see the various Grandmasters all across Mobius. The first is the Great Desert, Baron Borgot Rabot. He's talking to his aide Matilda saying he got some very good news and is preparing a speech to give to the chapter as he's warped away in a flash of green. And then in the Great Rainforest, Draco and Razorclaw are scuffling as to who gives orders to who as they're teleported away. The next Legion chapter we see is in Mercea, Snottingham Castle, Grandmaster Lord Hood, who is a snake and his legionization stuff is that he's given arms and legs. It's a little... Little weird, but Yeah, pretty pretty fucking weird if if I do say so myself. His shtick is that now he's giving orders on torturing the prisoners, as now he's warped away, as is the African Grandmaster Diesel. He wants to take over the continent himself. Man's gone. Now in Down Under, Bill Platypus is preparing a speech to give to his chapter about seeking peace as he's finally happy to end the charade. Now he's warped away. And then in the Iron Dominion, Conquering Storm. 
we see her with cybernetic eyes fighting a Yagyu ninja. This one was stealing from the Raiju as now she's warped away. And now the next Grandmaster we see is Aklut of the frozen North Sea teleported away. A hidden outpost in Yurish. Grandmaster Hugo Brass, the former gun commander who has been brainwashed into working for Eggman, says nothing upon seeing him, but he's teleported away. And the last individual that we see, <laughs> the foreman, who is the Grandmaster of the Nerves, an underground society, demanding they toil and labor away as he is warped. Now, um... Remember what I said about uh, Ian Flynn, Deep Cuts. The Nerves are also characters that are probably from, like, issue three or fucking something. I yes, don't know. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah. The deepest cut. The deepest, deepest, deepest of cuts. So now, all of the Grandmasters are in the conference room, Landa included, as Eggman walks in. And in his anger, Draco stands up. He's insulted. I give you my arms and my allegiance. You think you can just pull me in here whenever you want? You gotta show me some respect. You mean the arms that can explode if given a simple voice command? Sit down. And Draco just sheepishly goes back. And Eggman reminds them that this is the case for each and every one of you. I sent out a signal and received no reply. Why is that? Bo says that, well, we got that order from Snively. That was, <laughs> and, and you believed him? You think my demise would garner any sense of freedom for you? I legionized you. I sponsor you. I own you. You will serve the Eggman Empire until the day you die. Or the day I get bored of you. Same thing. <laughs> Classic. So Auklet asks, why did Snively send that out in the first place? Eh, I don't know. Then he comments, well, if you can't control your chief underling, what makes you think you can command any of us? You want me to open the hatch and let you fly back into the ocean? No? Yeah, I didn't think so. Look, I know you all hate me, and I don't care. What matters is that you hold your positions of power, and I control that power. So you do as I say, and only as I say. You all serve my needs well, but you are all replaceable. As we see, particularly Bill is getting extremely nervous at Eggman touching his shoulder. Yeah, uh, if you can remember, uh, Bill is deep, deep undercover for the sake of his people. And Eggman finishes. I reward loyalty very well. Take our Leyenda, for example. She could have tried to take control during the lockdown, but she did not. Orban and Cubot have been passing out tea and cookies to the Grandmasters. They say they want to be good hosts. Eggman didn't notice them doing that, but he's just like, oh... Uh, okay, sure, carry on. Now that this mistake has been cleared up, let's, uh, let's give you your new orders. Alright. Continue to conquer any unclaimed territories, legionize the new recruits, but also be on the lookout for this. The Blue Chaos Emerald, it has been lost after an unforeseen glitch. The first chapter that finds it will be handsomely rewarded. The sooner, the better my generosity will be. Try to keep it for yourself, however. Your punishment will be legendary. Conquering Storm does say, Hey, look, the next time you summon us so abruptly, maybe a little difficult for us to fulfill your wishes. Eggman thought of that. And he presents them his new ways of keeping tabs on him. My newest line of badniks, the Metal Series. Enforcing my will directly and assisting you when needed. And he presents to them Metal Sonic, Mecha Sally, Metal Tails, and Metal Knuckles. Interesting. Metal Knuckles, for context, was seen in uh, Sonic R? 
But I do not think Metal Tales has ever been shown before. Nope, there's never been a Metal Tales, I think probably since Archie now that I think about it. The only other, like, allegory to this has been the Tales doll, and we know where that thing is. It's kind of Ivan. So, uh, you know, uh, kind of just put that in the back of your mind, because, uh, maybe that'll, maybe that'll be important later, I don't know. Anyways, upon the reaction to the revealing of the Metal series, Beauregard clutches his hat. Oh my stars, is that Princess Sally as Drago fucking laughs? Because of course he does. Bitch. Bitch made. Fuck Drago. So yes, she has been roboticized and weaponized personally by myself. Contrary to Snively's little fib, I'm winning this war. You have your orders? Get back to work. Eggman pushes a button and the Grandmasters are all teleported away. Sans Leyenda, Eggman leaves her with command until he returns from a little hunting expedition, let's call it. Orban Cuba, have the egg stash flyer ready to go. And later we see it going. It's locked onto the tracking signature from Snively's egg flyer that he stole. But Orban thinks it's weird that Snively didn't disable the tracker. Eggman thinks it could be him baiting him. But it doesn't matter. He'll have his chance to explain once I've dragged him back kicking and screaming. All right, the stakes have been set. We know what to expect now. I think we're going to be in for a good time, guys. Absolutely. Issue number 38. And a uh, very special shout out to the cover art for this one. Uh, as it's Eggman, Orbot, and Cubot uh, watching what appears to be a cinema MST3K style. Watching uh, Omega Metal Sonic fight. It's, uh, it's very cute. So now we open. The egg stash is flying over Central City, the capital of the United Federation, dropping capsules onto the city. The civilians are panicking and are being directed into bunkers. And we see Eggman walking aboard the Egg Camel, going toward the city. Next to him being Hugo Brass, the brainwashed grandmaster of the Legion chapter in the United Federation. Eggman's like trying to quip with him, but all he just responds with is, yes sir. Uh, you know, Hugo, I had a kick out of brainwashing you when it came to rescue your paladin unit. So bravely. And now you're all my mindless minions, but now you're just so... boring. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Okay, <laughs> eh, whatever, look. The point is, right now, we find and recapture Snively, but why would he stop here? This isn't like his usual... backstabbery. Orbot and Cubot are ready in their positions, and Eggman makes the call. All units, attack. Several, several egg camels are walking, the capsules releasing bagnets on Moss, and Metal Sonic is flying overhead. We then move to Gun HQ. The commander, Abraham Tower, is informed the present escorts have arrived. And while he says he did not want to send two-thirds of Team Dark away, the president insisted, but I don't think Omega minds going solo. We then see a... A very fun scene of Omega leading a squadron of inferior robots and fleshy things, telling them we must thank Eggman for giving them the chance to destroy so many of his robots. Thank them with fire. Based. Extremely fucking based. God, I love him in this comic. Every time Omega shows up, it's just this. It's just, it's just clapping, nonstop clapping. So we move to inside the base where hope, little hope, it's been so long since we've seen her. I oh think, my god. What was the la we saw her in, like, I think maybe Sonic Universe issue 4. That's right, folks. Yes, we've. it's been a while. 
It's been a fucking while where she had that incredible interaction with Shadow, one of one of the best in the entire series, I, I would argue for Archie. What one of one of the most emotional. Yeah. Really, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. She is trying to get some seeming energy source or weapon online, but Sniffly decloaks. Hello. Uh, Hope, <laughs> that looks like quite the device there. As she books it for the red alert. <laughs> she books it for the- It's like, hey, yo, guards, we've been breached. And Snively runs to tackle her, saying, listen, I'm not here to cause a problem. I just want to talk to you, okay? But Hope, her hands over the panic button, you were involved with the rage of Knothole. You're doing the same thing to Central City. But Snively says, no, listen, I warned you to get out of Knothole. I'm not involved with what's happening outside. Just please hear me out. And Hope agrees to that much. Snivy says he came in here with a little personal cloaking field, but look, this doesn't matter. I'm done working for Eggman. For real. Right now, I'm on my way to the Dragon Kingdom to save my girlfriend. Since when did you have a... Look, I want to start a new life. A new family, and I won't do it without my baby sister, okay? But Hope responds, you know we're not actually blood-related, right? But Snively says a little, uh, a little, little something interesting here. So they says, hey, look, listen, I, uh, I did, I did some DNA testing without you knowing. Just one hair, just one hair. But I was able to conclusively say, we are blood related. We have the same father, for real. And when she learns that, she ends up kind of shutting down. Why would her dad or her grandmother lie about something like that? And Slively just says, father was a shrewd man. Probably thought I was dead or didn't want you involved with me. But look, he's gone now. So we can finally be together. But look, there is something interesting going on here. Something I'll comment on a little bit later, but this is showing a side of Snively we don't see. Something that I think may be like the true core of Snively, but we'll get to that later. So outside, we see Omega attacking the Egg Camel, and he's screaming that Eggman squandered your greatest creation. Now I will break all your puny punk toys. Eggman just looks down saying, this is where you ran off to? I made you and I can unmake you. I'll show you what I mean. Send in the egg paladins. And then from the egg camel, the paladins are sent down who are also brainwashed overlanders, formerly of Brass's Sigma Alpha 2 gun unit. Go figure, huh? Wow, very funny. They charge on Omega. Eggman taunts him saying that they are legionized gun members. You don't want to hurt your army buddies now, right? So they make their attack, as Eggman sends in his next surprise, Mecha Sally. Omega is able to disarm the paladin safely, just as Mecha Sally flies in to kick him in the back. Omega gets up and recognizes her as Princess Sally, and he thinks to himself, okay, rescuing you is not an option, the next best thing is to just put you out of your misery, and destroy her. But Eggman says, I done too much to hurt and let that happen metal sonic flies down and the two open fire and energy blasts are taken on both omega's front and back and meanwhile in hope's lab snively was explaining the situation to her asking her to come with him to the dragon kingdom let's start over again as a family but she hesitates you know that the commander has been very kind to me and i've already left the family and not hold twice i don't want to abandon people again but snively reminds her you are just a little girl on an army base. Come with me and I'll always be here for you. And Regina will love your knack with machine. And then Snively, Snively continues. He has a bit of a twisted look on his face. By then, 
Eggman will have restored order to his empire, but he'll be weakened and will be united and stronger. Hey, hey, wait. We'll topple him from his throne. Then we'll conquer the Eggman Empire. Then all of Mobius will rule it all as one big happy family. What do you say? I'm sure Regina will let you pick out whatever continent you want to rule. And then Hope smacks the ever-living shit out of him. You horrible, wretched little man. You had me. After all the evil you've done, you had me believing there was a shred of decency in you again. But there isn't. You miserable, hateful, evil man. You're not my brother in any shape or form. I'm staying here, and I'm helping the commander stop you and Eggman in any way I can. And what do you think you can do, huh? What can a second-rate, ungrateful brat like you possibly do to counter a genius like me? How about this? Flame shield, engage. She breaks the glass and is encased in a shield of flame, a bubble, if you will, saying, get out of my workshop, get out of this country, get out of my life. Snively obliges, running away, hope breaking down in tears as the alert has been triggered by now. They've been alerted to Snively's ship as well, so Metal Sonic and Mecha Sally destroy the ships that are giving Snively chase as Orbot tells Eggman, the tracker's still working on the ship, we can follow him still. So Eggman orders the full retreat to Cubot's dismay. You know, we can kind of finish this today. But Eggman responds, I can roll over the United Federation any day. This was just to remind them who's in charge. And after all, it's all part of the game. The pawns and the paladins retreat. The commander is told they won, but he understands we were spared defeat. Keep the civilians in the bunkers for now and stay on alert. And also do a damage report. We need to know how badly we were hurt. Then later on, as Hope's panic was called to, Omega finds her in her lab and she's crying. And then Omega gently picks her up in his arms and says, please stop leaking. I'm sorry, I was not built for comfort. But Hope still finds comfort in him regardless. A very cute little moment as she uh, she sort of holds on and struggles in that, that, that little instance. Snively cries as he says, Regina will understand. She'll appreciate all I've done. My plan will work. I'll make it work. And then the final scene is of Eggman in his Eggstash ship saying, Run as fast as you can, Snively. You can't escape me. You can't beat the Eggman. Hard line. Let's be honest here. That was a pretty hard line. Like that one a bit. Very, very hard. So to continue, we have made it now to Sonic Universe issue 39. We open on the Dragon Kingdom, conquering Storm, the bride of the Raiju clan and the grandmaster of the Dark Egg Legion's Dragon Kingdom division. She's giving Eggman a tour of the facility, the Iron Fortress. And conquering Storm tells Eggman, our clan is strong. We were able to fight off the other three clans and the free people for generations. You demanded my house be legionized, and while I allowed it to myself, for their sake, rest assured we're strong enough without the legionization. Mm, legionize them anyway. Uh, hey, wait, l- listen. To be legionized is to go against our way of life, our philosophy. It would be the ultimate dishonor to anyone lesser than me. Eggman says, ah, oh, I-, I see now. He gets closer to her face. I don't care. You are all part of my legion. You are all to be legionized. Do as I say or I'll wipe your clan off the map. Uh, that's settled. Next order of business. Junkun. Any sign of that, weirdo? Uh, not since the attack on Numo Metropolis. Oh, well. Any sign of Snively? And then Conquering Storm and her aide side-eye each other. She replies with, not presently, sir. 
Uh, well, the tracker showed he landed his jet near here. Guess I'll make a stop and ask Regina. You get back to your ninja-ing, I suppose. And then he orders the leave to Robot and Cubot. When he leaves, the aide asks Conquering Storm, Hey, uh, why, why, why'd you, why'd you lie to the big boss man? You let, you let the tiny man keep the ancient armor from us hours ago. Yes, but that was in the past. Very good. So, we cut to Stormtop Village. A man named Liu Fong is giving lunch to Regina Ferrum, the Iron Queen. A snively decloaks Liu Fong saying, You're lucky Li Yuan is so gracious. If it were up to me, we'd have refilled the well once you were. What's wrong, Liu Fong? Have you lost the courage to insult your prisoner? A snively in uh an attempt Let me let me let me make this very clear. Attempt put attempt in the biggest asterisk you can of smoothness says I'm afraid he came down with a bad case of unconsciousness. T. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, Snively just says, look, I came back for you. I left Eggman for real this time, and I've got a plan. The doctor's trailing me, but we should still have time for tea. And her response is, I think, the only natural response in a situation like this. She kicks the tray out of his hands. And screams at him. She was once the queen of the Eggman Empire. The bride of the four houses. I had Numo Metropolis under my control. Now I sit at the bottom of a fucking well. And at the first sign of trouble, what did you do? Go disable the AI. Stop the treasonous Leandar or the Yagyu. No! You ran back to Eggman. I don't care what your plan is. The minute it goes south, you'll crawl right back to Eggman. And Snively is trying to explain himself, but regardless, she calms down and turns her back on him and just says, please leave. I'd rather rot in here than have you disgrace me again. And she says that with tears in her eyes as Snively ropes his way up and out of the well. So that was a very, very good scene, I think. I think what this arc is really doing and really driving home the point of is that Snively has broken so many relationships, primarily these two, the woman he loved and the person he thought that he was trying to reform himself with by just being a fucking flake. He is so spineless, so cowardly, that he has no allegiance except his own hide. And it's crazy that Regina, after everything, would rather be a fucking prisoner than deal with him again. And another interesting thing is, as I mentioned before during the Iron Dominion saga, look at her. She clearly does love Snively. Point and laugh as much as you want. I know that's a ridiculous sentiment, but like, look at her. She clearly does have strong feelings for him. Yeah, the 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 very last shot is Snively bringing himself up from the well as Regina, like, She's trying to hold back the tears because you can tell that there is feeling. There is affection. She cares. But she also knows that Snively is a spineless fucking worm. And that is the key. He cares about nobody but himself. We have seen it time and time and time again. And all it has done is break down every single relationship he's ever had. And when Snively climbs up, the guardian knocked out comes too. And then they both see the egg stash flying over the mountain. But seeing that actually gives him resolve. No more running. I've made the preparations. I can do this. I will do this for her. 
So Li Yuan rounds the villagers up to give shelter. Everyone's inside in the temple as a squad of egg pawns arrive to interrogate him. But then from above, a bolt of lightning strikes, frying the pawns and the deliverer being none other than our good boy we have not seen him for a while, Monkey Khan. Yeah, so Khan gets the yield run back, as, uh, as, as somebody would like to say. His sweet revenge, as he would like to put it. When Khan sees Eggman, he is ready for said sweet revenge, but Orbot comments that he does have a soft spot for the princess. So Eggman decides, why not give them a little reunion? And when Khan flies in, his staff at the ready to bat at Eggman, Khan's interrupted by Mecha Sally, roboticized and weaponized, and Eggman leaves the two of them to fight. I've got other business to attend to. Eggman lands his Eggmobile in front of the temple at Stormtop Village. And as he's walking there, he's just humming to himself, I am the Eggman. Eggman. I got the That's what I am. I am the Eggman. The Eggman. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a cute little moment, of course, because uh, he really does love this shit. Yeah. Psychopathic ICIs. Eggman calls for a little game. I'm going to ask you where the Iron Queen is being held. And every time you stall or delay, an X-Swat will shoot. A bunny quickly replies. She's in the dried up well at the end of the village. A sad and rather angry Eggman looks directly at her and says, you're no fun. Stuff them into the handful of prison eggs we brought and start burning down the village. That wasn't very sporting, boss. No, but what are they going to do about it? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting, though. This is interesting. It's, it's, I, I, Eggman has talked a lot about this game, right? This, this whole idea of this game. Like, this is all a big game to him. So, so he's, what, what about this is fun to him, I guess. Perhaps it could be he's trying to find entertainment in it all. I mean, a would-be conqueror of the world, I guess, needs to, I don't know, they don't have Netflix in this world, what are they supposed to do? Yes, absolutely. Regardless, we now see Monkey Con holding Mecha Sally back. Khan's trying to call to her better senses, but she has no free will. She's executing the doctor's commands and will fight. All Khan can say is that Eggman built me to destroy any enemy. Don't make me destroy you. Then Eggman arrives to Regina's prison, saying, Ah, oh, you're looking well. Hilarious, doctor. Wow, wow, Jesus fucking Christ. Come on, Eggman. You're you're above the shitty dad jokes, my dude. You're better than this, man. But then Eggman, Eggman kind of gets like a little real. He's like laying back on the well and says, you know, out of all my sub-bosses, I could tolerate you having to throne the most. I'd rather have a fellow overlander rule than a scruffy Mobian. Yeah, you even have an interest in machines, but you have to ruin it with that horrible, unscientific, techie magic. It's technomancy, an art almost lost to our people. Yeah, well, good riddance. And if we see up above, Khan is trying to drain Sally of power with his lightning command very, very carefully. So Eggman says, all right, have you seen Snively? He's not here. That's not what I asked. I'm not telling you anything. I'm taking that as a yes. Look, it doesn't make sense, though. Why come all this way, all this trouble only to run off? Until now, I was beginning to believe he actually did love you. Hmm. Now, again, we see in the sky, Mecha Sally fires a Boomfont cannon from her forehead. While Khan blocks it off with his staff, with that, she ends up depowering and, like, turns off. Kinda. 
Khan has Sally's body in his arms and comes to Eggman. What what happened here? Why why is she turned off? Why is she no worky? And Eggman says, well, it looks like your tussle depleted her of energy. Her reserve power will keep her active for a few minutes, but after that, man, she's dead. Well then, d- 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 get her a new battery. Yeah, she doesn't fucking run on batteries, you buffoon. She runs on power rings, like the one you have for a crown. Then again, you'd have to give up your advanced skills and powers and prone to being controlled again. Khan, mm. mm. very nobly, gives up his crown to insert into Sally's chasis. And he installs it back in her. And she comes back online, immediately choking out Khan. And then Eggman is prompted, digging into his little glove compartment of his Eggmobile, to give Khan a shiny new command crown to get you back in line. A village conquered, an old project tamed, and a would-be conqueror at the bottom of a well. Good day. Good day, I think. Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day for Dr. Eggman. Great day for Dr. Eggman. What did he even say? But then, a crash. Another crash. What is that? So everyone's already been accounted for per Orban Cubot, but Orbot does say that someone commented something of reawakening Agent Tech, plus Snively being here, but unaccounted for. Eggman's kind of got a bad feeling about this. And then they come face to face with a giant mecha wearing samurai armor. It gives Eggman chase and it goes right for Regina's well. As the mecha breaks open the well, Snively pops out from the armor. I told you, my love, I'm done with Eggman. I've come for you. I threw the entire Dark Egg Legion into chaos. I braved Gun in the United Federation. I secured a war machine of your land. This, all of this was for you. You came back for me. This is really all for me. Of course, my darling queen. Let us never fight again. And then the two kiss. Eggman's response is, um, incredible. This is what all the fuss is about. (laughs) (laughs) And then even better, Orbot is visibly disgusted. And Cubot says, that's not natural. (laughs) (laughs) I, I like to think that Eggman's response to this is just him removing love as an emotional component out of him. Just because it's like, uh, it's an irrational emotion. It's unscientific. I don't need that. Either way, fun scene. (laughs) Very funny. Regina asks Snively to do just one more little thing for his adoring queen. Destroy Dr. Eggman. And he replies with pleasure. Orbout is a little frightened. Uh, It's been nice working with you, boss. Oh, I've not yet begun to fight. As the issue ends, this is it. Eggman versus Snively. The, the, The prize fight, which will take us to Sonic Universe issue 40 and goes without saying our last issue tonight. Eggman, he's not that impressed with Snively's mech. Just tells Orbot, eh, go get one of my robots. He looks at Snively's mech and says, there's no way you built this yourself. You're the definition of inept. Get down here before you hurt yourself. But Snively, though, says this was all part of my plan. I sent the Legion into disarray. I rallied around the world, getting those I loved on my side. While you were trying to hold the Empire together, it all went according to plan. But Eggman says, I got a hold of the Legion in under an hour, and you've been running scared since. And then Snively is riled up, but Regina says, don't let him fluster you, Snivelykins. Let's end this. And Eggman just laughs at that comment. You two are still pretending at love? Snively, she's a master manipulator, either with machines or her technomancy or your pea-sized brain with her words. Hey, you swore to me it was over. Snively just shouts back, I lied. 
It is love. I could have left Regina in her cell. I could have bypassed the Federation. It would have been far easier, but instead I fought and struggled for love. Can your genius comprehend that? Eggman's only response is just... He calls Khan! Yeah, so Khan, uh, mind-controlled, uh, just runs off to, uh, attack, looking for, you know, his target. Uh, Orbot and Cubot looking in the Eggmobile for a, uh, a killer robot to pick out to, uh, you know, match the, uh, the Iron Oni. Khan hits at the Iron Oni. Regina tells him to go get it started while she enacts her idea. Her magic is a little limited without the staff, but I can still work with it. And with it, she is able to once again take control of Khan. And now in his Iron Khan form... Sends him back to fight Eggman. Then Mecha Sally comes back to him. Says, oh, wow. She turned him faster than I thought. All right. Plan A, throw a monkey at him. Plan B, throw the roboticized chipmunk at the monkey. Jesus Christ, this arc is fucking nuts. <laughs> hey, that's racist. Chipmunk. <laughs> wow, fuck you. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Mecha Sally and Iron Khan are clashing in the sky, telling her, ah, 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 don't destroy Khan, you should have been mine from the start. But with his guard down, Snively nearly steps on Eggman, and he runs, calling in his egg swats to protect the master, and also asking where Orbot and Cuba, where'd they go? Snively is thinning Eggman's ranks, but enough to leave some for Regina. And asked him, wow, where did you even find this thing anyway? Long story short, he remembered about the region's ancient tech that just kind of light out in the open. So he just took some inventory out of the Iron Fortress when he arrived there. And Regina, she's just oh so touched about Snively's jester wanting to be rescued by familiar technology. She's very touched by that. Wow, it's it's almost like uh, th- th- this is this is this is seeming a, a little sus. I feel like he's being played again. So Eggman catches up to Orbot and Cubot in the Eggmobile, not able to decide which robot to send out. But Eggman says, "Hey yo, look who we're up against. You should have been obvious." So a capsule is now sent down and reveals the Egg Breaker armor, but a different model from the Raison Knothole. And he gets in to pilot it. And this is Plan C. Get a load of this. Get a, get a, get a, get a, get a, get a load of this. You know, just, uh. <laughs> Classic. Just old, old, old boomer memes. I'm sorry. We, we've done this again. So now Snively just tells Regina, do the honors. As she prepares her magic, Eggman has brought in your own tomb. Every circuit in there is mine to control. But Eggman in the cockpit just says, what do you mean? What circuits? This baby is made from ceramics, plastics, and precision-aligned tension cords. All immune to your magic. So Snivy just says, oh, uh, now what do we do? What do you mean, now what do we do? You've got the walking armor, you hit him! So now, Eggman and Snively are having a good old-fashioned mech fight. And Orbot and Cubot are betting on who's gonna win. And they're, they're betting against Eggman considering the track record, but hey, maybe it's not a good idea to bet against the boss. I mean, I, I, hmm. Regina is on a roof. She can't control Khan and fight like this at the same time. And Eggman's mech has Snively in a chokehold, and he's blocking off the cockpit. But this armor is stronger than it looks. You will break before I do, Eggman. Which leads Eggman to jump out of the cockpit. Orbot and Cubot, plan D, bring me the Omni-Tool. And once he has it, Orbot and Cubot kind of go off before the Iron Queen takes control of them too. And now Eggman begins some good old-fashioned sabotage. Shift around its mechanics around. 
He's inside the machine. He's twisting some wires around. And then once outside and back in the mech, he simply punches Simbly's mech over the head. And then the whole thing crumbles. It falls apart, knocking out both Regina and Snively. Orbot calls us. Ooh, ooh, that's a fair play. You did did a good job teaching your underlings about falling in love and being happy. That's a hell of a line. Orbot, thank you. Uh, <laughs> ooh. Ah, yes. But now, of course, we've got one loose head to tie up. Mecha Sally is now seen nearly destroyed by Khan. Even saying, you would not destroy me. You love me. And Iron Khan says love is for the weak. And before he takes the final shot, the techno magic wears off. And then Khan comes back to his senses. Just as Mecha Sally shuts down into standby mode to prevent further damage. Eggman flies in on the Eggmobile with an uh, egg capsule alongside. Says, oh, look, I'm surrounded by sentimental couples. But he applauds Khan. Well, you did this much damage without a powering. You know, you should be proud. Although without one, you know you're not strong enough to take me on. I know. I'm also the only one who can repair the love of your life. I know. So he allows Orbot and Cubot to take Sally. And leaves Khan the burning village. I don't feel like cleaning it up, so I'll let you have the villagers I took prisoner. They might want to do something about those fires, though. Khan swears. As soon as I'm healed up and the people are safe, I'm coming for you. And when I am through, all that's left of you will be just a bad memory. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Keep telling yourself that, monkey boy. And then he leaves. And then time passes. We see Regina waking up in an open egg prison capsule. In front of her is Eggman with Hugo Brass. We're in a Legion base in United Territory. You know, I've been put through a lot these past couple of days. A lot of trouble that I think that really could have been avoided from the start. Then Regina just says, Bland... Save your threats. What are you going to do with me? Just finish it off. Call it a life, okay? But Eggman has another idea. If I had believed in your... your romance from the start, I would have just kept you two at bay and just, you know, carried on with my work. So now, I have a different approach. Snaps the fingers, and a perfectly fine, perfectly healed Snively runs into the room, into Regina's arms. Says, what, you're... you're showing mercy? Mercy? You're going to be living with the runt. That's punishment enough. Okay, this is... Something's up here. Something's a little... A little... Doesn't smell right. Yeah, this is this is an Eggman. So Eggman says that he's putting them both in charge of this Legion chapter. He'll be in charge of the Badniks, Reaper's Gun Tech, and Legionized Egg Paladins. Regina's overjoyed. Snively says, yes, thank you ever so much, sir. I expect you to follow orders, but I'm no fool. I expect you to play the game as well. Just play it better. You should follow Linda's example. It's been fun, you two, but I've got a hedgehog to destroy. Hugo, you've been demoted. Play nice with Regina. Uh, something isn't right! Nope, it sure isn't. We're still following Regina. She's so happy. She wants to revive her technomancy cult within the Federation, and she's got new toys to play with and a bunch of manly men cyborgs at my beck and call. Oh, we'll be ever so happy, darling. And Snively says, yes, dear, whatever you say. And uh, keep in mind, a little visual thing is seen here. So Regina's technomancy obviously makes machines like susceptible to command, obviously. And it's shown with like a little green halo of sigils around Hugo, but also around Snively. Which means that this is an imposter bot. Speaking of that, in our final scene, 
And so, you see in the end, it all works out pretty well. For me, the Dark Egg Legion is even more under my thumb than before. Guns suffered heavy losses, the UF is shaken, and now that I know that little turncoat Hope is with them, I can direct the Legion to single her out. I'm sure that makes you happy. I've finished up the Grandmaster roster, terrorized some more Mobians, and broken heroic morale across the board. Best of all, you brought your A-game. And I still won. Thanks to those infiltrator copies you made of yourself, Regina thinks you're at her side. She'll be quite content with an ever-obedient you. So I doubt she'll figure it out. Not immediately, anyway. As for you... You, well, nobody knows you're here except for me. And it's going to stay that way for the rest of your life. Game over, Snively. Thanks for playing. And thus that ends the scrambled arc. I want to talk about what I hinted at a little earlier about Snively. Throughout the series, Snively's characterization was shown as a character that wants more than what he has, obviously. He works specifically with Eggman because he believes that it'll bring him something greater. The leader to be the king of the world, effectively. However, what I'm called out to here, he goes to the two people specifically that have ever have shown him genuine kindness. Hope, his half-sister, and Regina, his genuine, sincere girlfriend who actually loves him for real. I know I keep stressing that, but that's because it's just a... A little difficult to comprehend if you understand Snively's character, but yes, they do genuinely love each other. That's why he went there. So now I'm going to pose you guys with something. Snively wants to be revered. He wants to be seen as like a grander version of himself. But deep down that stems from something else. Snively is a person that through his entire life has been mistreated either physically or emotionally due to his uncle Julian, his own father seemingly his a good amount of his own family except for hope so what does he want he wants love he wants a shred of human respect he doesn't want the respect of a king he wants the respect of a human being he just wants someone who will look at him without any malice he had that with hope and he had that with regina that's the core here he just wants respect human respect but the joke is He can't have that. Not because of anything else. Not because of any outside factors. It's because he's just such a snively, weaselly little man. He is his own destruction. He is his own self-fulfilling prophecy. He can't have any respect because he never shows anybody that respect. Yes, it is the apex of his character. And this ending, because we need to let you guys know something, this is the end of Snively. This is Snively's final appearance. Eggman wasn't lying when he said that Snively would be in here for the rest of his life. This is it. This is the last time we see him. To say that Snively's character arc is complicated would be an understatement, but I think you really hit the nail on the head as to why Snively is not given redemption or sanctuary by the people uh, around him, particularly Hope and Regina. Because Snively really did almost have a good relationship with Hope. But then because he's such a coward and such a sad piece of shit, he blew it, 
right? He tried to do the right thing by sending Hope away, but all it did was just empower her. With Regina, the two found common love because they felt a mutual hatred, but it blossomed into something more, albeit Regina is also a questionable individual of character, but the fact that Snively could could connect with somebody on that level proves that there is something in him that, that really is human. But because he kept coming back to Robotnik, and he couldn't just let the ego go and just leave, it just kept, it kept happening over and over and over and over again. And now he's here, alone, broken, beaten, lying in an egg capsule with not a single shard of his joy or even love left intact. It's all gone. Snively has nothing. And nothing is what we'll be seeing of him moving forward because he doesn't ever appear again. It's for real, folks. It's for real. Game over. Thanks for playing. And I think that will be a nice bookend to this episode of the RG Sonic Digest. But before we go, I gotta do something. Gotta give a new shout out to one of our new patrons. New patron. New patron alert. New fucking patron new, alert. New friend coming on board. Uh, New $2 patron who is, you've definitely won uh, the patron name game, which I've decided is a thing now. $2 patron, a floating shopping list. Thank you very much. Oh my god, a floating shopping list! Oh, I can't even. That was that was so high-pitched. Jesus Christ, you're going to need to pitch that down a little bit. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's an incredible name. Thank you, thank you, a floating shopping list, for the uh, excellent SpongeBob joke and the, uh, the, the support. And you too can sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash sonicspeed, discount code alpha, where you too can enjoy behind-the-scenes look at the episode video podcast format of the episodes and the Archie Sonic Digest pre-show where me and Speed shoot the shit about random bullshit including our alternative series Another Side Another Stories where we talk about the Mega Man comics and I'm telling you you want to make sure you're starting to read that shit because oh boy we're going to be getting to some real good stuff later yes you're gonna you're gonna want to have that show thanks for listening thanks for coming on board to the Archie Sonic Digest and we will see you next time folks the Freedom Fighters are out for the count we have hit rock bottom but when you hit rock bottom There's nowhere to go but up. See you next time, folks.